Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, August 1st. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there will be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, The days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Devarim, and it means words. Deuteronomy 1, 16-30 At that time I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and the foreigners living among you. Be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Hear the cases of those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger, for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you, and I will handle them. At that time I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. 
Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, You have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look! He has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose twelve scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us, and they reported, The land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large, with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. Second Chronicles 31-31 King Hezekiah now sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to the people of Ephraim and Manasseh. He asked everyone to come to the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The king, his officials, and all the community of Jerusalem decided to celebrate Passover a month later than usual. They were unable to celebrate it at the prescribed time because not enough priests could be purified by then, and the people had not yet assembled at Jerusalem. This plan for keeping the Passover seemed right to the king and all the people, so they sent a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north, inviting everyone to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people had not been celebrating it in great numbers as required in the Torah. At the king's command, runners were sent throughout Israel and Judah. They carried letters that said, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and become an object of derision, as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn, as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. The runners went from town to town throughout Ephraim and Manasseh, and as far as the territory of Zebulun. 
but most of the people just laughed at the runners and made fun of them. However, some people from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. At the same time, God's hand was on the people in the land of Judah, giving them all one heart to obey the orders of the king and his officials who were following the word of the Lord. So a huge crowd assembled at Jerusalem in mid-spring to celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. They set to work and removed the pagan altars from Jerusalem. They took away all the incense altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. On the fourteenth day of the second month, one month later than usual, the people slaughtered the Passover lamb. This shamed the priests and Levites, so they purified themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of the Lord. Then they took their places at the temple, as prescribed in the Torah of Moses, the man of God. The Levites brought the sacrificial blood to the priests, who then sprinkled it on the altar. Since many of the people had not purified themselves, the Levites had to slaughter their Passover lamb for them, to set them apart for the Lord. Most of those who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves. But King Hezekiah prayed for them, and they were allowed to eat the Passover meal anyway, even though this was contrary to the requirements of the Torah. For Hezekiah said, May the Lord, who is good, pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. So the people of Israel, who were present in Jerusalem, joyously celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Each day the Levites and priests sang to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. Hezekiah encouraged all the Levites regarding the skill they displayed as they served the Lord. The celebration continued for seven days. Peace offerings were sacrificed, and the people gave thanks to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. The entire assembly then decided to continue the festival another seven days, so they celebrated joyfully for another week. King Hezekiah gave the people 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep and goats for offerings, and the officials donated 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep and goats. Meanwhile, many more priests purified themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, including the priests, the Levites, all who came from the land of Israel, the foreigners who came to the festival, and all those who lived in Judah. There was great joy in the city, for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. Then the priests and the Levites stood and blessed the people, and God heard their prayer from his holy dwelling in heaven. When the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh, and they smashed all the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and removed the pagan shrines and altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own towns and homes. Hezekiah then organized the priests and Levites into divisions to offer the burnt offerings and peace offerings, and to worship and give thanks and praise to the Lord at the gates of the temple. The king also made a personal contribution of animals for the daily morning and evening burnt offerings, the weekly Sabbath festivals, the monthly new moon festivals, and the annual festivals as prescribed in the law of the Lord. In addition, he required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves fully to the Torah of the Lord. 
When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe, of all they produced. The people who had moved from moved to Judah from Israel, and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats, and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people Israel. Where did all this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites. And Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zadok, replied, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed his people, and all this is left over. Hezekiah ordered that storerooms be prepared in the temple of the Lord. When this was done, the people faithfully brought all the gifts, tithes, and other items dedicated for use in the temple. Conaniah the Levite was put in charge, assisted by his brother Shimei. The supervisors under them were Jehiel, Azaziah, Nahath, Asahel, Jeremoth, Jozebad, Eliel, Ismachiah, Mahath, and Benaiah. These appointments were made by King Hezekiah and Azariah, the chief official in the temple of God. Kor, son of Imna the Levite, who was the gatekeeper at the east gate, was put in charge of distributing the voluntary offerings given to God, the gifts and the things that had been dedicated to the Lord. His faithful assistants were Eden, Miniam, Jeshua, Shemaiah, Amariah, and Shechaniah. They distributed the gifts among the families of priests in their towns by their divisions, dividing the gifts fairly among old and young alike. They distributed the gifts to all males, three years old or older, regardless of their place in the genealogical records. The distribution went to all who would come to the Lord's temple to perform their daily duties according to their divisions. They distributed gifts to the priests who were listed by their families in the genealogical records, and to the Levites, twenty years old or older, who were listed according to their jobs and their divisions. Food allotments were also given to the families of all those listed in the genealogical records, including their little babies, wives, sons, and daughters, for they had all been faithful in purifying themselves. As for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who were living in the open villages around the towns, men were appointed by name to distribute portions to every male among the priests and to all the Levites listed in the genealogical records. In this way, King Hezekiah handled the distribution throughout all Judah, doing what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. In all that he did in the service of the temple of God and in his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Romans 15, 1-22 We, Paul, and other Christians who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please just ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Yeshua didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. 
Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us, and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Yeshua. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord, Yeshua. Therefore, accept each other just as Yeshua has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Yeshua came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that you all need is this reminder. For by God's grace I am a special messenger from Yeshua to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Yeshua has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Yeshua has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Yeshua from Jerusalem all the way to Ilikrim. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Yeshua has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures, where it says, Those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. Psalm 25, 1-15 O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. 
Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Proverbs 20:13-15. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open, and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price, saying it's worthless, and then brags about getting a bargain. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. I'd like to speak to you today from Second Chronicles chapter 29 and chapter 30. I'm going back to yesterday's reading and also folding it into what we read today. And in Second Chronicles chapter 30, 29, we see that Hezekiah is the new king over Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. And he meets, he opened, reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord, and he repaired them. And then he summoned the priests and the Levites to meet with him at the courtyard east of the temple. And he said very important words to them. He said, listen to me, you Levites, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors to the temple's entry room, and they snuffed out the lamps, and they stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary. That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He's made them an object of dread, horror, and ridicule, as you can see with your own eyes. So Hezekiah has the priests rededicate the temple, clean it out, get rid of all of the impurities and the uh, idolatries, and clean it out and purify it. And he ordered that a burnt offering. I'm jumping now to verse 27. This is very important. If we look, we will find shadow pictures that point us to Yeshua in the Torah. And this is a beautiful shadow picture. So this is Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 27. Then Hezekiah ordered that the burnt offering be placed on the altar. As the burnt offering was presented, songs of praise to the Lord were begun, accompanied by the trumpets and other instruments of David, the former king of Israel. The entire assembly worshipped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. So 
what is this burnt offering? It's also called the daily tamid lamb offering. And it was offered in the uh, courtyard, the outer courtyard at the altar twice a day at 9 a.m. And again at 3 p.m. And it was ordered that this was to be in perpetuity forever and ever and ever. The daily tamid lamb offering is a picture of Yeshua. And so that the lamb was mercifully slaughtered and then uh, cleaned out the organs and then they put it on the altar and they burned it up until it was entirely burnt up. And when Yeshua died, he was nailed to the cross, to the tree at 9 a.m. at the exact moment that the morning daily tamid lamb offering was being offered in the temple courtyard. And at 3 p.m. when he died and gave up his spirit, at that exact same moment, the second daily tamid lamb offering was being slaughtered and offered in the courtyard, temple courtyard, at the altar being burned up. So Yeshua is the fulfillment of this daily tamid lamb offering. Now notice what's happening at the same time that this lamb, the burnt offering, is placed on the altar. Songs of praise had begun accompanied by trumpets and instruments of David. And the entire assembly worships the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until the burnt offerings were finished. And King Hezekiah, verse 30, and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the Psalms written by David and by Asaph the seer. They sang the scriptures. The Psalms were their hymn book. And if you've ever visited a Jewish synagogue, and I have, both in Nashville, Tennessee, and also in Jerusalem. What is so hauntingly beautiful, I don't know Hebrew, they pass out a little book, and it has the, the songs that they're going to sing, and they sing it in Hebrew. They sing it a cappella, the cantor leads, and they sing scriptures in Hebrew, a cappella, and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, there's nothing like it. So this is what they did then, and they still do that to this day. They sing the word of God. They sing the Psalms written by David. And they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Now keep in mind that the instructions that God gave to Moses regarding the wilderness tabernacle and, and the order of service and how to build it, how to construct it, uh, the protocols for doing the 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 peace offerings and the thanksgiving offerings and the daily tamid lamb offering and the order of service for worship, that all came from God, from the Lord. And he gave those instructions to Moses. He wrote it all down. And then here are they are following that pattern. And everything that happens in the earthly realm is a shadow of what's going on in heaven. There is a temple in heaven that didn't get burnt down, like in Jerusalem. And there is 24-7 worship going on. And who are they worshiping? They're worshiping the Lamb, who is Yeshua. They're worshiping Him. So that's happening in heaven right now. There is a temple in heaven. And there is worship going on in that temple in heaven. And so the, the uh, pattern of the temple down here on earth was patterned after the temple in heaven. This is why there will be a third temple. And it's spoken of in Ezekiel 43, 44, 45. This third temple will be built 
and there will be worship there, and many of these protocols will be reinstated. So, of course, the focus is on Yeshua, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay, now let's look at chapter 30 from today's reading. And in today's reading, we see after all of this reinstatement of the temple and the temple worship and the cleansing, um, chapter 29 concludes with these words. So the temple of the Lord was restored to service, and Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because of what God had done for the people, for everything had been accomplished so quickly. Now we're jumping into chapter 30 from today's reading, and we see actually chapter 31. No, we'll start in chapter 30. We see that one of the very first things they do after the temple worship is restored is they keep Passover. But they're a little bit late in keeping it because they didn't have enough time for everybody to gather to Jerusalem to assemble and congregate and also the priests needed to go through a purification. And so they celebrated it exactly one month later. And that's okay to do. On the 14th day of the second month, one month later than usual, the people slaughtered the Passover lamb. And so that's part of the pattern of restoration is that when people begin to return to the God of Israel and return to the Torah, and when I say Torah, I mean the whole Bible, all of it, Genesis to Revelation, not just the New Testament, um, but all of the Bible, um, and to follow it, to keep it by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, that as people begin to do that, all of a sudden, the feasts come, come upon their radar scope. And it's like they go, oh, I should be keeping the Shabbat. I should be keeping the feasts of the Lord. They're not the Jews' feasts. They're the feasts of the Lord. And it's for all of God's people to keep. And so the very first feast they keep is Passover. And notice then, um, let's look at chapter 30, verse 25. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, including the priests, the Levites, all who came from the land of Israel, the foreigners who came to the festival, and all those who lived in Judah. There was great joy in the city, for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. And then the priests and Levites stood and blessed the people, and God heard their prayer from his holy dwelling in heaven. So this got his attention, keeping the Passover and gathering and being obedient. Uh, when they prayed, God heard. Now chapter 31, verse 1, When the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And this, this is what they did. They smashed all the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, and removed the pagan shrines and altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own towns and homes. So, in keeping this Passover feast, they then began to pull down and destroy the idols that scarred the land. And so keeping the feast, returning to the Torah, it's a purifying thing. It's, it's You're walking down a path of holiness. You're, you're becoming a set-apart people. And all of a sudden, your eyes are open to the idols that are in the land that 
pollute, contaminate, defile, and corrupt the land. So today we don't have Asherah poles. We don't have sacred pillars and pagan shrines and altars so much. But what are the idols of today? Well, I've talked about this a little bit before, some uh, a few days ago or a week ago, but the idols that I see, uh, Molech was an idol back then where they would sacrifice infant children literally. They would burn them alive and throw them at the base of the statue where there was a blazing fire and just burn them alive. Molech wants blood. And today, abortion is the spirit of Molech is behind the spirit of abortion. And the Roe v. Wade decision that has been now overturned by the Supreme Court of the nation is a major idol that has been overturned. Now, it puts that back on each individual state of the 50 states. So there will be some states that will still have abortion and other states that will line up with Roe v. Wade being overturned and saying there are not going to be any abortions in our state. It puts it back at the state level. But this is a huge idol. We had blood on our hands. That was the spirit of Molech. Another idol that I see that I hope and pray will soon be toppled is anything that you put your trust in other than the God of Israel is an idol. So if you put your trust in a jab to save your life from COVID-19 and you do it out of fear, you're afraid of dying, so now you're going to go get this jab thinking it's going to save your life. Instead of putting your trust in the God of Israel to protect you and to keep you, um, that becomes an idol of the heart. And in fact, this jab, it is not a vaccine. It is experimental gene therapy. And it literally changes your DNA. It rewrites your DNA with CRISPR technology. And it, it tells your body to produce the spike protein. And so a lot of people who've been jabbed and uh, boosted and boosted again have gotten COVID, an awful lot of them. So um, it sure doesn't seem to be doing the job that it claims to be doing, which is to protect you from COVID when so many people who've been jabbed have gotten COVID. <laughs> um, that to me, in my mind, is another idol. So um, also the Georgia Guidestones, they have recently been destroyed. And these include the principles of the New World Order. By, I think, 2030, they wanted to have only 500 million people on the earth and not six or seven or eight billion. And so population, they want a great depopulation. And so the Georgia Guidestones have recently mysteriously been blown up. That is a, an example of an idol that has been toppled in modern day time. So this is something that we need to be doing, each of us in our prayer closet, is saying, God, what are the idols in my heart? What is it that I put my trust in other than you? Am I putting too much trust in a 401k? Am I putting too much trust in my job and those automatic deposits? Am I putting my trust too much in a spouse to take care of me instead of trusting in Yahweh? In Yeshua. So may we deal with the idols in our own heart. May we do a cleansing, an inner cleansing, an inner purifying in our own heart so that the temple of our heart is clean, pure, 
set apart and a place that Yeshua is pleased to dwell in. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.